What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work? Well, hey, hello, 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 everybody. And I have to say, it's one of my honors. I know I always say that, but you, Christy, you're a person that actually believes in me. You let me write articles for your publication and all that with, you know, while others are like, who are you? Because I, I haven't literally written, besides the book, I hadn't written a thing professionally in like 24 years, 23 years. Well, thank you. That That's how I want to start. I want to say... It doesn't count, I guess, unless it's on social media or unless it's on a podcast. So I want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity for being in your publication. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily about, the, you know, you're, you're a wonderful writer. It's the knowledge, you know, who has that entrepreneurial knowledge to go to since that's the basis of the magazine. And so there are, you know, those people that that you see and who are out there doing it every day. And, you know, I'm just glad that you were interested in, in writing as well. So I thank you also, because you just made it so much more interesting for the readers. Well, there's so much to say about you and all that. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I do know you're an educator. You're an, you're a fellow entrepreneur. You're an author. You wear many hats. In fact, I, you know, if maybe we're genetically DNA related. You're like my second, you're my third cousin or whatever, because you're always working hard too. And I, and I admire that about you. So go ahead, Christy. Yeah. Um, so I'm Christy Maggio and I am originally from Rome, New York, little small town in upstate New York. I'm from an Italian descent of family. And uh, uh, like Omar said, I am an educator. I've been a teacher for over 20 years. And then um, I got my administrative degree um, in the state of New York. And so I decided that I was going to go to the Dominican Republic and and perfect my Spanish for a year in 2013 and then come back to the U.S. to um, to be an administrator uh, in an in inner city school. So that's why I wanted to perfect my Spanish to try and differentiate me from other people so I could get that job. However, I ended up uh, deciding that the world took me a different direction and I stayed in the Dominican Republic and Three years after I arrived there, I opened my own school with seven children and uh, and then it progressively grew every year um, until until COVID hit. Um, so I didn't know that I was going to wear the entrepreneur hat. You know, it was one of those things that came to me and I was so excited about it. And, but it's, you know, you learn it as you go along and, um, you know, that, uh, Omar, from your experiences, like as you, uh, as you look at the opportunities that are presented to you in life, you either accept them or you stay in your comfort zone. I was very uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, cause you're, I'm, I'm teaching, running a school, 
doing transportation because it was school was small still. So, you know, uh, making lunches for the kids and all of that at the same time is still doing private classes out of my my own home just to get it going. And it was a, an a, almost around the clock deal. And I think that's one of the things that's really important when people say, you know, I want to start my own business. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go into um, into being my own boss. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. But what I love to say is that if it's something that you love, you know, I like to call it heart work as opposed to hard work, because if you love it, it doesn't feel like work. Right. And so for me, I loved it so much that it didn't really seem like work, but those hours that you need to put in to start is, is a lot. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. But you are always about being in service because you're not even Latina. You're not even Latino or like what some people would say, Latinx, please don't call us that. We hate that. But (laughs) I mean, I, everybody talks the talk and all that, but at the end of the day, being a teacher, being an educator and wanting to be in service. It wasn't like you ever said, you know what, I'm going to become a millionaire by becoming a teacher. I'm I'm going to open up the school because I'm just going to make a killing because the Dominican Republic is one of the poorest countries in the world. And you wanted to be that person. You wanted to create change. You wanted to be a hope. You wanted to give that hope to these poor Latin children that the Dominican Republic, a lot of times it's like either I'm an amazing baseball player or, or there's no plan B because there really isn't. It, it's that impoverished. And it, it, it's funny because like Hispanics, like us, we don't, we don't look at it's the Dominican Republic. Well, when people say the media, how do we win like the Latin vote? We just share a language. We don't really, you know, we hate each other. We think we're better than each other. We're really wacky group of people. We, we, we just share a commonality in our language. Not even our food's the same. So like when a problem comes from the Dominican Republic, well, like our culture is like, well, I'm not Dominican. My, my family's Colombian. And that's, you'll, you'll hear that all the time. Like, you know, all oh, the social injustice it's not a political thing, but of all the people that are in those cages, mm-hmm. one one administration, second administration. Well, none of us care because, quite frankly, it's not our people, and it's it's a sad thing. But you don't have that within you. You don't care if they're Italian. You didn't care if they're Greek. You didn't care what nationality, because you know you you are not Dominican, and you wanted to help these children dream bigger to actually imagine to have a real opportunity and a real future. So I tip my hat off to you on that. Thank you. So, and and that's the thing, like going down there and and seeing how many people that you can help is, is amazing. Now to start the school, the school was a private school. So the kids that did go to the school um, paid to go to school, to my school, but little by little, every year I would sponsor more children as the school grew. And the idea was that prior to um, to COVID happening, I was about to uh, break ground to build a whole new facility, larger facility, so that I can I could sponsor more kids because the location that I was at was was 
was very small. And so from going from seven children to 85 children, most of those kids paid to paid to attend school. However, I did start a foundation. Um, I did multiple water projects while, while there, when hurricane Maria came around, you know, I was able to also, um, help people rebuild their homes. Um, and, and do, I did a lot of humanitarian work there, but number one was education because, um, because education ultimately breaks the cycle of poverty. And so, you know, we all know that saying you can give a fish today and he's still going to need to eat tomorrow. But if you teach them or show them how to fish today, they will be able to uh, get their, you know, sustain themselves for the rest of their life. And so and that's kind of how I feel about education and helping these young people, even those that were able to, to pay for the school. Now, when we say private school, we, it's not private school, like here where it's thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was going to make sure that, you know, yeah. the, the listener understood it's not, it's not like the Catholic schools that I, I'm sending my daughters to and all right. that. Because we we have a different perception on what private school is in this country, or in any area of this country, whether it's Paducah, Kentucky, Miami, it's all expensive. Yes. It's way more than public school. Mm-hmm. And third world countries and all that, a lot of times there is no such thing, too, as like, you know, this public there's a school. Few, there's a few high paid uh, international schools there. There there are. But those are for, for those that you know, that are wealthy. That Oh, yes, yes. You meet them all, all the time, especially when you go away for college. I've met people from all over the world and you're like, oh, my gosh, how did they, how, you know, you speak perfect English and you, you come from, an, you know, and it's I went to blank school of the Americas. It, it always has like Americas or something like that in the title. And they're they're all over the, the world. And it's these schools that are just really for like. If people think that there's only 1% here in America that are extremely wealthy in these other places, it's like 0.0001%. And and they send their kids to that. Correct. Yes. So, so that's where, where all of this kind of stem, stem from. And then little by little, I just kept on building on it. When COVID hit, I, you know, I had to pivot. Unfortunately, as we know in business, if you don't pivot fast enough, uh, you get the rug pulled out from under you. And so that happened. And so right now I'm I'm rebuilding. Um, I have the virtual school at the moment. And um, it, but it has also allowed me to reflect on the things that I did wrong. Right. And that's really important to identify those those things. I could sit here and blame it on COVID, you know, had it not been for COVID, this COVID. However, I did things incorrectly and I take responsibility for that. But that's a learning opportunity. You just right. Because a lot of people would have just said, hey, you know what? My I'm here virtually and all that because of Corona, because of COVID and all that. You see, we that's called learning and that's how we grow is when we realize that if it's to be, it's up to me because I, I can say I could have done things a lot differently. We could have all done things a lot differently. And there's plenty of people that have thrived and have become millionaires or it's just all about pivoting. And right now, you know, you're learning, but to me, I know what you're, you're doing is 
you're regrouping mm-hmm. or, or, or reloading would be a better reloading. I like that one. Reloading. I do like that a lot. I'm reloading. And so that's where, you know, over the course of, of this year, you know, I, I had a radio program in Punta Cana that I had already started with. And then I kind of shifted it to uh, a podcast. And then that's where all of these interviews and everything started. And it was back in October, maybe September, when I had first seen the social dilemma that I was kind of like, okay, we have this equation of how young people look at themselves, what self-gratification is, how they want instant gratification, how they don't really know what is real, what is fake, and what real success is. So I've spent almost, yeah, just about this past year, because now it's October, so it's come a full year circle, um, doing these interviews that I've put in the book and um, creating this guide, so to speak, for young people um, in a very blunt and matter-of-fact way. And at the end of each chapter is is a success story of some being people who have overcome traumatic experiences, who overcame poverty, foster care, and of all different ethnic backgrounds, so that this way they can see it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you look at the journey of each of these people, the journey is the same. They put in the time, they really wanted it, and they were able to attain it. And they had their drawbacks, they had their their setback moments, but they were being set up for something for something else. And and they thrived. And now today they are all amazingly successful people in their industry. And so I think it's important for young people and for adults to understand that, like you said in the beginning, it's not luck, it's the journey. It's the process that we all go through. Now we can, as, as you experience, as I experienced, we could have taken that moment where I didn't pivot fast enough and say, oh, well, it's not meant to be. And, and I'm just going to quit and go back and get a regular teaching job. And that's the end of it. But no, I didn't put in all that work and all that time. You have to be able to get back up again. So you never really fail. Like you, like, the, everyone says, you know, oh, you failed, you failed. I didn't fail. If I quit, I would have failed. Right. Well, what you're doing is you're rewriting your story. What you're writing is your redemption story because we all love to watch the Rocky fall down and get back up. But you're creating your own. You don't have to watch it on Netflix. You don't have to go to the movie theater. You don't have to buy that book and read about it. You're creating it. And you're you're going to inspire it and you're going to motivate people because everybody loves to see. People come up, fall down, and come back up again. It's life. It is life. It is. And if people want to be so scared of of that fall, you know, sometimes that fall is necessary because had you not had that fall in the moment that you had it, it might have been worse. You know, when you got higher, when you got further along. Right. So it might have been a necessary lesson at that moment. Most things are necessary lessons at that moment in order for you to make sure that you're solid, that foundation is solid for you to continue to move forward and move forward and move forward. And in some of these stories in here, like they were knocked back multiple times, you know, and 
most of us have been. But when you see that, and, and, you know, a lot of times today, people are so quick to just give, give up. And that's why only 5% of people actually um, accomplish their goals and accomplish their dreams. And 95% stay in that comfort zone. Right. And so I think it's really important to, to see that it's more than just, um, it's not just about, oh, success. I've got this, I've got this, it's, I got cars and money and all that stuff. It, it's really getting to that point and doing what you love to do because I could be a lawyer, but if I don't love to do it, I can have all the money in the world. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm successful. Because I'm not happy, right? Exactly. So, so yeah. So I'm. I think that these are lessons and key lessons, and you have teenagers yourself that are really important that need to be taught in school. You know, that that's the one thing though. School really hasn't changed since. I mean, I graduated high school in 1991. Wow, 30 years ago. But if I if I went to a high school and I sat down and spent 20 days or whatever and took all six periods, it, it would be like just the same thing, just better technology. Yeah, and that's really the sad part about it because right now the way the world is and the way the world is changing. I don't feel that we are preparing um, our children for uh, what is necessary for their future in the sense. I mean, some parents, some parents are, of course, but it's that, like I said, that responsibility, um, showing them that responsibility and saying, okay, well, you know, you didn't do very well on that test. Why is that? Or what would you prefer doing? Or how would you want to to see it? You know, as opposed to putting the blame on someone else, well, I don't like the teacher, the teacher doesn't like me or, you know, and it's really hard because if you think about it, when we look at mass media and uh, let's use politics for, for example, and I'm not going to get to which side or any sides, but you know, the president blames the president before for what is going on. And then the president before blamed the president before him for the woes of what's happening now. And so you actually see in public the role models and the people that are supposed to be setting the examples, not mm-hmm. taking on the responsibility and saying, oh, I made a mistake and it's OK to make a mistake. Well, 100% ownership, that, that's being evolved. And, you know, a politician, either side, it's, you, you can never do that because you have to, you can be as evolved as you want, but you still have to play towards your audience and you have to sell your audience. And people, both, right, whether you're Republican or you're a Democrat or, you know, you're a third party and all that. It's it's all about marketing. It's all about selling. It's all about well, the other the other side sucks. This this is the reason why we have these problems is because of someone else. Because it's always easier to to just point the finger mm-hmm. instead of saying, "Hey, let's all get together." Because that doesn't the, that also it's about it's a business too. 
obviously neither side wants that because, you know, then less donations. If everybody's like, hey, let's we're all in this together. Let's let's solve this problem. Then you wouldn't have all the donations. You wouldn't have all the ratings. You wouldn't have all these rallies and all that. It, it, to me, it's a lot. It, business 101. Right. I mean, basically, it comes down to we will tell what will sell, you know, and, and, and that's really and that's really the bottom line. It has gone from being what's best for the people to being what's best for our, ourselves, our, our interests, what's going to get us back into um, into office. And it really shouldn't matter whether you're in one party or another party or whomever you are being having that ability to say that you made a mistake is I think more admirable than, you know, one side or another, but taking accountability like that, it's, it's hard, but also at the same time that if you say, Hey, I'm, I'm to blame, then even political or not, a lot of people would say, well, my life, it's easier to say my life would change if the other candidate would have won and he's, he would have been my president. And I, I always tell people, no one, are, were you going to get an ambassadorship to like a different country or would you have been placed on the cabinet or are you a lobbyist? How would this different, how would this be, unless, unless you have skin in the game and, and you personally know them, it's not going to affect you either way. And then they, they hate talking to me about stuff like that because and everything and anything, I'm just blunt and honest. It's like, it's, no, it's, it's not, it's not their fault. It's not Biden's fault. It's not Trump's fault. It's not Obama. It's not George Washington. It's, it's not. <laughs> I was like, it's, let's keep on going. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's all name all 45. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, none of these people, if not, not, it wasn't your great, great grandparents' fault. You know, they, it was their fault. And, you know, it's a, and it's, it's not genetics because you can, you can quit, you know, we always love to say, well, I'm fat because of my, my grandparents and my parents, it's, it's genetics. Now genetics wasn't one, the one telling you to go to Olive Garden and right. eat all you can eat um, salad bar. That's right. That's right. And it's true because, you know, you can blame a million things on and everything else. And I think that that's one of the most important and key lessons that we as adults need to need to show young people. Um, I think another really important lesson that I write about in the book is indifference and the fact of stopping and saying, well, what can I do about it? I'm just one person, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go out and have some massive form of action. Um, however, just because something doesn't touch your backyard per se, doesn't mean that you can't in some way, um, help the situation or, you know, for a, a lack of an example, I'm, I'm, I'm on the top of my head right now. I'm trying to think of what I wrote in the book. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's something that if you see, for example, like a, a young boy in school being bullied, Okay, maybe you don't want to get involved. Okay, which is fine. You don't necessarily have to get involved, and it's probably best that you don't. However, going to tell an adult that that is happening to someone would be a way of going around and, and 
it's crazy, but we all have that. I, I just, and I rarely read the papers, even though quote unquote, former journalists and all that. And I read a story that like people were like on a subway. It was like either, either Philadelphia or New York or somewhere. And nobody called 911. They're watching a woman get raped and they, they apprehended the guy and all that. But there was a million witnesses and nobody, because it's that attitude, who am I? Or it's, it's not my problem. Like whether it's the bully or, you know, oh, well, it's, it's not happening to me. It, it, that's, that's the biggest, you know, lies. And, but then when it, when, it, it, when it does happen to you, anything, anything bad, then you have to say, well, hey, it wasn't happening to them. But that that uh, that's the that's the worst thing that I've ever heard, and that's all of us. We're all to blame. Is well, you know, I, I can say, well, I'm not in the cages. I was born here, so not my not not my problem. Or those people watching a woman get raped. Oh, hey, you know what? That's that's not me. That's not my daughter. Well, it's someone's daughter. That could have been your best friend. That could have been your wife, and all that. How hard was it to just call the cops nine one one? I mean, three simple digits that we've all learned since we were like little kids. But it's 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 mind blowing. And but the yeah. one thing that I have to say, Christy, is that you you haven't said the title of the book. <laughs> It's true. I haven't said the title of the book. Because I, I've been wanting to stop, but it's so uh, good. But so yes, no, the title of the book, I'm sorry. Yes, I guess I would have to say that seeing as how this is a podcast is um, follows and likes. Is this all that I'm worth? And it is about understanding success in the age of social media. And it's um, it's on pre-order right now through Barnes & Noble. Uh, Barnes and Noble Press, so you can go to barnesandnoble.com and uh, get the that, or it's going to become. And when it comes out, it's October thirtieth. It will be on um, Amazon as well. So it is follows and likes. Is this all that I'm worth? Now, is this just uh, to me personally? I don't think it's just for teenagers. I, I think a lot of no. I mean, it is also for for adults as well. I mean, I think that that parents themselves will get. Uh, really great. I mean, it, it's something that it's, it's, it's ageless really. Um, and the stories obviously are from people that are adults right now, even if they were to read the story, I mean, actually it would be great for parents and, uh, teens to read it together and talk about it, you know, but a lot of the examples in the book are, uh, you know, teen based, you know, if I talk about like in the indifference chapter, I talk about, you know, if you see somebody being bullied and you again, you can translate that into into an adult or if you didn't do your homework, is that your fault or is that someone else's fault? Right. Um, or fail a class. Is that the teacher's fault? Is that your you know, and so it's it, those it's the examples more so that so that young people can relate to them. But no, I mean, we can sit here and look at it and, and it's. It's an easy read. It's 132 pages. And it's one of those things, though, that is a, is a really great guide. You know, do I I mean, even for parents, like the first chapter is follows and likes. Do they really matter? And how many parents do we see that are constantly on social media and scrolling and scrolling? I mean, I know that from even the parents that were that I had from that, from the kids in my school, it's like, I don't have time to read with my child at night. Yeah. I see them posting every day, every day, something they're out with their 
this person or out for dinner or out doing whatever, but you don't have 10 minutes to read with your child at night, you know? So it's, it's those. Oh, that's not going to get as many likes. If, right. if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you, if you post that you're at Nobu or that you're at Benihana's, uh, you know, you're not going to get the cyber hugs and, and likes if you're just like, I'm here helping my, my child do their homework now, but if you, you have uh, an amazing looking date or something like that, or you're in a brand new relationship and you're at like SDK steakhouse or, you know, some high end steakhouse, then imagine all the likes that you get on that. And that's the thing. And, and, and do people really need that? Do young people, adults as well, really value, like does value their worth? based on whether or not someone likes their their post or follows their post or how many people they have in social media. I mean, think about the number of people who buy followers just for that perception, for for that that image uh, you know, and 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 that's the thing that is really important. Like what are you trying to fulfill inside? You know, you're trying to make the outer world think that you are successful. And the one thing I love is that I don't think I even have a thousand followers on Instagram. However, I wrote this book and I was able to reach out to all of these different people and who are important within their industry. I'm here talking to you, you know, and, and how did I do that? I did that with my own merit. You know, you reach out you use social media for for the good of well, it. Well, I reached out to you first, but right. Well, <laughs> no, not think, to to the podcast, but I'm, I'm I, I know I'm just teasing. Did we do that? No, I reached out to you after I. Oh, well, okay, okay, okay. But the only reason <laughs> I did that was because you inspired my podcast episode. I, I hear, I'm, I'm just messing, anyways. It after I, I watched, no. After I watched you and Evan, Evan on that when talking about what if it what if it did work? And I'm like, I'm thinking, what if it does work? Right. And and so then I that all spawned into uh, a wonderful idea for for my podcast episode. And and so and then I reached out to you about it, thinking it was thinking that it was wonderful because isn't it crazy though that um it's easier to get a hold of other successful people. That they'll that they want to see you thrive, they want to see others. But if you ask like some of the oddest people that have for help or just uh, for a like or hey, can you I, can you share this my my book or can you share anything? And they won't do it. I mean, I, I've I've had like well, Evan said yes, uh, Jen Shinshiro said yes, Randy Gage said yes, you said yes, successful people. But I, I can go through like a random story just about a random person. And it's like crickets. And it's like, well, you're not really like famous or anything. Why would you like completely ignore me? Why would you ghost me? It's, it's just something. And that I tell people that it's not that hard to ask for help from somebody successful. They, they might not have the time. Now, don't ask Warren Buffett, but you can buy a book on Warren Buffett and see how he did it and all that. But there's plenty of people out there with social media and all that. that hey, how did you do it? Can I ask you for an interview? Can I ask you questions? Can you help me? And not not all of them are going to be like, well, I need $50,000 for a year to be your mentor and all that. 
when you live in abundance, you want to see other people thrive. You want to see other people succeed. And, and that's why, you know, you and I connect because, you know, I, I want, I, I want your seminars. I want your books. I want you to have schools throughout the world. It's not a lot of times with other people, when you live in scarcity, it's just me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. What can this other person do for me? Or, oh my gosh, he's asking for an interview to be in a podcast. He's probably like wanting to hurt me or he has these sinister and nefarious ideas. Like maybe he, he wants to go out with me and he's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. weird. I mean, I think it's the thing of, it is that scarcity mindset. And for me and just for you, like it's same, same idea. What I want for myself, I want for everybody else. And sometimes it's it's difficult because you you can't necessarily answer or respond to to everybody, right? And imagine all of the people that are are more popular. Oh you know, yeah, how many how many people do? But there's one thing that and and perfect example is is Naveen Jain like. I sent him a message on LinkedIn and he responded and I got it, whatever I said resonated with him and he wanted to help. Now he's become one of my great mentors and, um, and a friend actually. And I'm very blessed for that. But the thing is, and the, what he says is that, you know, nowadays it is so much easier for young people to create success because it's so much easier to connect with people. You know, when he was starting out, you know, he came to the U S with $5 in his pocket and at 22 years old, not speaking the language, you know, if he wanted to go and get mentorship or learn how, uh, you know, I don't know, somebody started something, he would either have to find the phone number or physically go there. Oh, exactly. And that's why I laugh because, you know, today everything is just so much easier. You can literally write like a 20 page term paper within a half hour, just with like cut and paste or do whatever. Us, when I had to go to college, I had to take a a class on how to library science, the microfiche, the whole nine yards. And if I want to be even older than that, if you wanted information, you would have the, the Britannica guy knock on your door and he would give you like, you know, they would, su- they would send you by the time they sent you all 26 <laughs> volumes, that was already old information and you had to start over again. Oh yes. I mean, well, think about it. I don't know how you did your book, but you know, years ago you and there wasn't even the concept of being able to self publish. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and having that and having the ability to do all of that. You would need to find a publisher to do it and have them put it all together for you and, and everything else. So I, I think, or even to have people have our voice out there in a podcast, right? What we're doing exactly. right now to allow the world to, to reach us. So, but it's free, it's free information. Yeah. I mean, before, like even personal development, if, yeah, there was. If you wanted Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn or Anthony Robbins, you have to wait till like three a.m. to for the infomercial to play out. You you would call up. They would send you either the cassettes or if if it was in the early nineties, these um, CDs, and it would take forever to get there. 
and all that. So hope, hopefully you're not suicidal or hopefully, you know, you, 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 can, you can withstand the, the shipping time and all that in order to solve your problems. Now with YouTube and with Audible and with, there's just so much information, but yet people aren't, aren't tapping into the, all the resources. If you want to be, if you want to know how to do a side hustle, it's out there. If you want to know how to build a, a school from scratch, they can look you up. Before there was none of none of that. You might have read about it in an article in some obscure publication, and like what you said, now we'd have to go find you. We would have to see if the the telephone number that was registered at one time is still active and all that. But now, yet. We have all this, but all all people do is just waste the same amount of time doing absolutely nothing instead of forwarding themselves. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the other thing that is really important with adults as well as young people is keeping that curiosity, right? Keeping that desire. It's almost as if, you know, when we grew up. You go to you go to school, you go to elementary school, middle school, high school, you go to university and then all of a sudden ah, it stops like the idea of continuing continuous learning um, was not there, at least oh. in, in, in my realm, you know, oh, you finish university. OK, you could no more teachers, no more books, you know, like uh, I, I, I'm guilty after I got my master's degree. I'm like, if I'm going to be reading, it's I'm going to be reading fiction. I. I already have two degrees. I don't, I don't need to learn. I don't need to read. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm educated and all that. And, and that's the biggest lie that we tell each other uh, ourselves because either you're you're growing or you're dying and you need to keep on learning. I, I've learned more outside of my quote unquote two degrees in journalism and history by by finding by seeking out the information and all that but there was a few years that i was some pompous ass that was like well i've got a master's degree the only there's only doctoral people so yeah. I, I don't i know all i need to know the, the the world is constantly changing you can't say that you have to always be reading you always have to be learning something new that's right. And and especially nowadays, because it's changing so fast, right? Things are just what we know and what you're learning today in university by the time you graduate is going to be completely different, you know? And so that's really important. And you brought up a really good point. And one of the really good points is that, like you said, you know, I have a master's degree, you know, I'm above, you know, doing, um, you know, menial, low entry level work. And I think that that's where young people kind of um, shoot themselves in the foot. Oh, right. 100 percent. It, it hasn't changed. We have that. And, and, and I don't have that mindset anymore. I, I don't ask people, what's your degree in? One, I could care less because that's in the past. Mm -hmm. Tell me what your dream, what, you what are you working on? What is your dreams? What do you want to do with your life? I don't, I've never, I haven't asked anybody in a long time. What, if you went to school, if you did not go to school, that's fine. But yes, we, when you're in academia, you have this belief that, you know, you, you're, you're, gonna, you're on easy street. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was the biggest life lesson. But, you know, walk down commencement in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 
and that I, I was on my way to making hundreds of thousands of dollars that before I knew it, I was going to be the next Walter Cronkite. I was going to be the next Bob Costas if I wanted to be mm-hmm. uh, and, and sports and all that. But, but that's the mindset and the mindset. Oh, I can't do that job because mm-hmm. that's not what I went to school for. <laughs> that, that's, right. that's, that's, that's another think- one. Yeah. And, and there's actually, it, it's interesting because one of the stories, one of the stories in the book, Ram Castillo, he's Australian and he is in digital marketing and digital, digital design and advertising. And he finished a, you know, not so high name tertiary, you know, college, you know, after he got done studying. And when he got out, he took a job in the mailroom at Ogilvy, Ogilvy being, being one of the big top advertising companies. And his, and people were saying, why would you take a job there? You're not even, you're like, you're making minimum wage. You just got out of college. However, in his mind, he's thinking, I want to be around these people because this is what I want to do. And so he took that job in that mailroom with pride because as people, family, friends were saying, you can get paid more at McDonald's. But he knew where he, he didn't have that idea. Oh, well, I'm better than, than this. He knew wh- exactly what he was doing. And that. Start at the bottom. Yeah. When you, when you learn, you don't have to be humble because the dictionary says that's a bad word, but to have some humility, there's nothing wrong. Uh, to me, it's, it's a blessing to, to start from zero. Because then if somebody just gave you $10 million, mm-hmm. you're not going to appreciate it. It's, it's about earning that. I appreciated, I didn't know it at the time, the, the long hours, the work and the Saturdays and the Sundays, the working on my birthday. Because, you know, I, I, how could I work on my birthday? But stuff like that, I appreciated that. And it gave me that sense that I, I earned it. And that, that's the one thing that people don't understand is, yeah, but take that job. You know, it, it, at the time, if, if CNN or ESPN would have called me, uh, but it was a, a, a low-end job, I, I wasn't evolved. I would have been the masses. I wouldn't have taken that job. So I know now I would have been like, it's stupid not to take it. But right. I would have been the one that I'd been like, oh my gosh, I'm so worthy of so much more. I want to take that job. That that job is for somebody that didn't go to college. Right. That's somebody, that's someone else. I'm big time. So and that's a really important lesson. Very important lesson. So like, see, you even said it yourself. Like if that were you, and at the moment when you got out of journalism school, you wouldn't have taken the low paying CNN or or any network job because you felt you were entitled to more. And I think that that is a very, very important, crucial lesson for young people, because your foot in the door is your foot in the door, whether it's going to get coffee or whatever it might be. If you're at least if you're in the industry you know, that you have to be in the, the right rooms <laughs> to say the least in, in any industry. I, I, I don't care. You, you, you know what? I, it's best to be paid minimum wage, but be in the right room and getting be living comfortably starting out at 50 K, but you're not doing your purpose. You're not living your dream. You're not doing what you were meant to be doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, what, what's your favorite story in the book? 
Do you have one or are they all amazing? Oh gosh, my favorite story. I have to say that um, of all of the stories, I, I know, I mean, so I have some great people in here, you know, Dr. Jen Welter, she's in here, the first female NFL coach. She's, she's in the book. And um, I had, you know, Paul, Polly from JT and uh, Paul Kazanovsky, his story is amazing coming from Macedonia, but my ultimate favorite. And I think my near and dear to my heart, because it just pressed me so much during the interview was Ram Castillo. Like, I just wanted, I wish that I could have gone through the screen and hugged little Ram because he was, um, he was bullied so much as a young child. He, his family came, went from the Philippines to Australia and he was a, a small boy and bullied to the point where he had his arm broken three times. Really? And and so when you see that, that journey and, and that, like, it just, he, his story and, and him there, it just touched my heart so, so, so much. I mean, all the stories are incredible, amazing. Um, you know, um, Maria Trusa, she was sexually abused at the age of nine. Her dad sold her. She was, she's Dominican, um, for the night to a, a witch doctor and he forced her to drink an entire bottle of whiskey. And, you know, now she owns, she lives in White Plains, New York and owns her own medical clinic. You know, she's the CEO of medical clinic. You know, it's those types of stories. Chef Roberto Mendoza, he's from El Salvador. He grew up poor. He didn't have food. Some days he didn't even have water. And he ended up getting kidnapped by the, by um, the, the, I don't know, whichever side it was there. Civil, civil war. Yeah. In the civil war there. And he was kidnapped in 18 when he went into college. And when he was let go, the Salvation Army ended up rescuing him. And he ended up going to Canada and then made it to Los Angeles. Um, and now he has, he, he's the, he does, um, he cooks for celebrities and for the president. Um, I mean, these stories are, Ones that will really just, you know, touch your heart in the sense of that these were, you know, just regular people just like us, but all different walks of life, all different experiences growing up. You know, and the, another one is foster care. A lot of foster kids are left till the age out of the system at 18 and the percentage of them that are either trafficked or that, you know, are on welfare or whatever happens to them is a horrible thing. Um, and so I have Anjanita Prevost. She was actually um, Janet Jackson's body double. And she did a lot of uh, dancing in um, Black Eyed Peas video, LL Cool J back in the 90s and stuff like she is um, she was in foster care. She grew up in foster care. And so it's those stories of inspiration that. And if you if you really read it carefully, the steps of the journey are the same. It's but you, you know what's the, the the number one thing that you've been talking about that they they've all overcome horrible mm-hmm. nightmarish childhoods. Mm-hmm. And you know what? So many people 
use their story is why they suck. They live, they keep on rewriting and reliving their history. Mm -hmm. And instead of using their story to say, this isn't what defines me and use it as a, like a springboard, use right. it as rocket fuel. So many people, which trust me, the, the story's right there, the witch doctor and all that. Most people haven't had anything like that, right. but yet they will hold on to their, their story. Like it's a prized possession mm -hmm. and all that and say, I'm not a victim, but this is who I am. It's like, you're, you're in pure victim mode. None of those people that they could have all been the same, just as like, like a lot of people and said, Hey, it is what it is. I I'm poor. I'm, I'm a drug addict. I, I sell my body out for money because of all these circumstances. Mm -hmm. And they don't. And I bet you they they only use that story or they only tell people just not because, hey, I want the recognition. I want the cyber hug. It's like to say, hey, this is who I was. And look at who I am now. <laughs> While, you know, and that's why when people want to know my story and all that, sure, I'll tell it to you. But I'll only tell it to you just to get you off your butt. Because right. I, Pete, there's everybody has had. There's plenty of people with a worse story than what you you perceive. Because you know we all think it's circumstances. Well, my circumstances are different than everybody else, but that's such a lie. So many people have had the same circumstance as you and overcome. And there's people with far worse stories than whatever the person perceives that has overcome a lot more. Yeah. I mean, and, and and that's really, really it. And it's and I think and that's why for me, I'm, I'm targeting young people because to get them in the right mindset now so that they can see that this is that. But a lot of times we go and we say, you can do it. You know, you've got it in you. You know, you give those words of encouragement. But at the end, it's like, all right, but how, you know, and I think that the way that I try and develop these stories is so they can see how, you know, it's not just here, you know, and jump right into it. Like it took a few years, you know, they had to work maybe a retail job or they had to do, um, you know, menial labor. For example, another amazing story is Jonte Hall. And he's a former Harlem Globetrotter. He's five feet, two inches tall. All his life, he grew up and he, they're like, you're never going to be a basketball player. He wanted to be a professional basketball player and you're never going to be, a, you're, you're five feet to a, two inches tall. However, he graduated high school and he tried to get people to come and look at him because he knew he had the skill, but he graduated high school, went into a community college. His mom ended up having MS and he dropped out of community college to get a job to take care of her. For five years, he was a janitor. He worked as a janitor, cleaning bathrooms, room, everything, but he still had it in his heart. And at 25 years old, he went to his mom and he said, you know what, mom, I still want to try to play basketball. And so he went and he tried out and he's like, he got turned down a million times and nobody said it wasn't because of the talent, it's because of his height. And that last try, he got 
signed by the Washington Generals, which is the team that plays against the Globetrotters. And then he got the Globetrotters picked him up. Now, that is perseverance. You well, know. He, uh, he probably got tired of losing every game, game with the Washington Generals. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> so, but you see, like, people give up too soon on their dreams. Like, well, he, they listen to other people too, though, unfortunately. And it's usually the people that, you know, we, we think have our own best interests, family, friends, or support right. system. And they, you know, they, they, they have their best interests because they think that they're, they're there to protect you. And it's the worst because I'm sure there's been plenty of people that he, he, he was stubborn. He didn't want to listen, but I'm sure there's plenty. Dude, you're only five, two. There's only Muggsy Bugs who is five, three and mm-hmm. Spud Webb who is five, eight. You're, you're, right. you're neither one. Give it up. Give it up. I'm sure. But he was so oh, yes, stubborn. It's all he heard. Yeah. He was so stubborn and he believed in himself. Exactly. He didn't care because a lot of times a lot of people, well, you know, I, I'm waiting for somebody to believe in me. Screw everybody else, man. All you, all you need is to believe in yourself. That's right. And, and, and that's the key lesson. So that's what I mean by like how they got there. Like he had to take that period of six years as a janitor before he was able to go back and try again. Like, so those are the things that people need to see. It doesn't have, it doesn't have the first time. Sometimes it doesn't have the second time. It sometimes doesn't happen the 10th time, right? And so when young people try something and give up when it doesn't work the first time or adults, you know, they need to realize that it might not work all those times, maybe a number of times before. You might have to go back and, and tweak something and go back and tweak something. And you know what? Like you just, like you said, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And you have to naysayers. You just got to get rid of them. You have to get rid of them. If you truly believe in yourself and this is what you want to do, you just have to get rid of those around you. And a lot of times that's hard because usually it's your family, right? Oh, completely. Like, I've, I, I, I love the joke that my mom still hasn't heard a podcast, hasn't read the book and all. And it's not to, Hey, oh, I know. Give me, I'm not looking for the cyber hug. I'm just stating facts. And you know what? I believe in myself. I know I'm in service. I know I'm helping out others. And it also shows you not everybody's your customer. You know, the thing is everybody, you know, not everybody's going to want your book. Not everybody's going to read my book, but if it was a, if, because it's nonfiction, but we didn't write it because we wanted to sell to the masses. You right. did it because in, at the end of the day, you're in service and you want to start them young. Start The problem is teenagers, a lot of times, their dreams have been dashed out, blown out right. like birthday candles because of their parents, because of their family, because of society, their neighbor that says, quit dreaming. That's not for you. Now, think about it. As children, up until eight years old, probably, you're told you can do anything. You can be anything. You're a superhero. Da, 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 da. But there's at some point, there's that transition where all of a sudden you need to be realistic, right? Exactly. Like you need to be realistic. That's not normal. That's, a, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden now you believed all this time that you were meant for, you could do anything mm-hmm. that the people that were telling you first that you could do anything just literally pull the rug right out from under you. And you're just like, what happened? 
Oh, I, that's why I tell people all the time. You believed in, in Santa Claus for like six years. You believed in the fairy tale, all these fairy tales. You believed in the uh, tooth fairy for six years, the Easter bunny. But you can't even spend five minutes believing in yourself anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a, that, that, that in and of itself is important. I think adults, uh, teachers um, that come into contact with young people need to allow them to dream and need to allow them to, uh, to try their goals. A lot of times nowadays, parents are too, um, you know, I just had a perfect example this morning. One of my students, her, she tried, her mom enrolled her in, in, in something and she did tried it one day, didn't like it. And so her mom's like, okay, you don't have to go back. Well, you tried it for one day, you know? So like that's also you you just taught the kid how to quit and right. how easy it is to give up. And and quitting is just as addictive or even more addicting than winning. Right. Once once you quit, and that's why I I mean the, the last thing I quit was um baseball and I, I regretted quitting it. Well, my talent wasn't there, so the Yankees weren't missing out. But once you wow. learn how to quit. It, it you start quitting at everything. You'll find any justifiable excuse. Well, it's not me. It, it's someone else. Well, I think that it's more so also for a lot of young people, if they have to put forth a little bit of effort, then it's like, oh, well, you know, I just can't do that. You know, if, if they need to work at it to do it, then they're just like, ah, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And I had that experience yesterday. My, you know, one of my fifth grade kids, he's like, we started these, this new, these new words. And he's like, well, I don't know what those mean. Why does this have to be so difficult? I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I'm like, because you already know everything. Like, like now it's time to expand, you know, you need to build on it. And, and so, and that's the thing, you know, children need to learn that it's okay to be uncomfortable right? It's okay to, to explore and you need to put in how we grow. Do you have to be uncomfortable? Yeah. So for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I just think that these are all important lessons for young people as much as they are just as important for adults. That, that I, and not because I love you and all that, but I, I definitely going to buy my, my um, youngest turns 14 next week, even though it'll probably be November when everybody hears this because I'm an overachiever and taped a bunch. And I'll buy one for my oldest who turns 16. And I, I yes, I buy them normal stuff and all that. But when it comes to I, uh, my ex-wife and I, we, we started them young when it comes to the personal development and the business development and, and marketing and all that. Cause it, you're never too, you're never too young and you're never too old. It's so important. And I think what you do with your children is, you know, and for, and I don't know specifically, I just see what you, you know, doing some things with them on, you know, on social Instagram and you guys go to the gym together and stuff like that for them to see what you're doing. I think a lot of times parents think work is work, family is family. But a lot of th- times th- those lessons that they learn, it's not just, oh, I go to work and I get money. It's seeing what you do every day and understanding what you do every day 
to make that happen, right? And I think that that's one of the real important lessons also is that, you know, incorporate them in family budget. You know, this is what we have, or this is how we we do this. And if you don't have this, then you can't do this. And And I think that, that that's really important because we know that they don't teach financial literacy um, in most schools. Uh, so <laughs> the Archdiocese of Miami is no different than, than the, the public school system. They, yeah. So, I mean, those are key things. And I can't tell you how many young people who were at, you know, just at a college age that I've interviewed that have said one thing they wish they could have go, gone back and learn was financial literacy, especially credit cards. Because oh yeah, yeah. It, especially in, and and when I was in college, even back then, woohoo, get get a free shirt, you know, sign up for a credit card. And I, I knew so many people that were just thought didn't understand the credit card and just yeah. thought it was free money and just rang it and then oh, sign up for another credit card next month at the quad, you know, to get get and, a, and that's the thing because good. even even for me growing up. I watched my mom use credit cards all the time. You know, she'd buy something, credit card, buy something, credit card, buy something. It wasn't until later that I realized that, you know, she did that so that we could have, you know, things that she couldn't necessarily afford. But I didn't know that there was a 22% interest rate on it. I didn't know that, you know. Oh, nobody. I mean, think about it. Even with adults. Hey, if you if you spend $5,000 on this American Airlines credit card within... 30 days, you'll get enough points to get a free trip to 48 states in the continental United States. And yeah. if you're lucky, if you spend even more money on that, we won't even discuss the 22% interest rate. You, you can possibly get a flight to Hawaii, but you have to fly on, on a Tuesday and come back like on a Wednesday and on only such and such time, but we won't tell you that. And people are like, oh my gosh, free luggage. And I, I can possibly get a free upgrade. Let, let me charge up all my credit cards to 15 to 20,000. So it can, I can meet the. Yeah. Cause in the end you could have spent that 15 to 20,000 and bought five trips as opposed to one. <laughs> exactly. When it comes to the compounding interest of all the, all the debt. Correct. But you know, they don't. Even in elementary, they'd rather teach us how to square dance than how to do something practical. And I, I know it's the same thing now and all that. And that's fine. There, there's a time and a place to learn some of the things that, that, that they teach us. But I mean, it should be, hey, let's learn about debt. Let's learn how to write a check. Let's learn how to get a loan. Let's learn how to how to invest in right. anything, real estate, stocks. I don't care. Learn how to do something. You know? Yeah. I mean, taxes at the end of the year, you know, everybody's got to pay them <laughs> and things like that. You're, you're absolutely right. And, um, and, and I think that those are things that, that definitely uh, need, need to change. And so those are things that I am working on making sure that I put into the the virtual school and in the future um, academy that I'm working to bring into a global level as well. So yeah, very important. So after this book, what's next, Christy? Are are you going to open up another school or? Um, 
right now, I mean, I would, I would love to reopen in the Dominican Republic. Um, and you know, that is on the table. Um, but until the, you know, the investment situation or financial situation comes to a point where that can happen, you know, it's just seems more plausible to, um, to stay virtual. And what I'm working to do right now is expand that on a global level. So talking to different, because the thing is, like you said, kids can have access to a lot of different free education online. But when you think about third world countries, they don't have have the ability to get a credential, right? Mm -hmm. They don't, can't say, you know, I, I went on YouTube and I spent thousands of hours doing all of these things where, you know, still today, that certificate, that diploma is important or those specific job skills. So the idea is to create this, um, you know, this global school for these kids so that they can afford it on a, like a subscription model, like a Netflix type thing. And now when you bring in AI and virtual reality and things like that, you can actually um, see that happening more often as, as in, in an easier way um, to provide it on a global, on a larger scale. And so that's what I'm, I'm working. I'm focusing on um, to impact at this moment. And then take those and get partnerships for with other companies. So if you are in remote Africa or the South America or wherever it may be, and you have a company that has a remote position that they need help with, they can still then be employed because there's lots of, of organizations out there that get help bring education, but then what, right? Mm-hmm. In order to get out of that cycle of poverty, you need to couple that with employment. And so not all of these these kids in these third world countries or in, in remote areas can just go off and flit off to university in, um, you know, in, an, in, in a first world country. So it's, it's making sure that depending on what they want to do and what their skill set is, to ensure that they can sell, sustain themselves as well to get them out of poverty. And that's really the only way that the cycle poverty is going to end because we can sit here and talk about, you know, giving money, giving money, giving money, but eventually the money is going to run out and they are, they have no new skill to sustain themselves. And so that's really the focus is to not just give them the education, but then bring in the employee partners to, change the world amen <laughs> that's that old adage about you know quit giving it quit giving those people the fish, Keep them right? out of fish. <laughs> you know, for the moment give them the fish and and show them how you know right like you need to to until they get that point you need to help it but you know people are trying to focus now on still you know all of the expense of of building schools, right? And putting the money into that. Just, you know, if we put the money into just getting them the hardware and the signal, then, you know, you could do it from any community center within um, within any 
rural or urban area anywhere. It's probably more, more cost effective doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Which is where then you can do a subscription model for a lower cost. Because as we know, there are plenty of global schools and high schools and accredited institutions out there, but they cost thousands of dollars, things that these kids aren't going to be able to afford. So the idea is to bring it to a point where you can get millions of kids into the program that is quality and effective, and then gives them the opportunity to sustain themselves. And that's really where, where, where it is. So yeah, that's That's next. Yeah, it's just a little, yeah. a little something, something. <laughs> you know, you, you, your next is always achievable because you said it. Now, if, if it was a lot of people that I grew up with and all that, I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> we're going to cure cancer and we're going to balance the budget and we're going to have peace in the Middle East and mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're all going to live in utopia and all that. But with you, whatever you say, I believe because... You 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 are a doer, and, and everything that you do comes from the heart. Which you know, I, once again, I tip my hat off to you and all that. I I love you and all that. I, I love the fact that you know the universe, God, Jesus, whomever has led us together. And you know, you you and I will have we'll do plenty of other stuff in the near future, absolutely, and in the distant future and all that. Any passing words, any words of wisdom that you want to tell people. Uh, no, I just want to say thank you because it's always a pleasure. I, like you just said, you know, it's, it's wonderful, um, to have met, you know, you someday we're going to, to meet physically (laughs) in the physical form. So I thank you so much because you've been so kind and so wonderful. And, you know, what my favorite quote that I will leave with is, um, from Dr. Seuss and it's why fit in when you were born to stand out you know, it, being normal and doing the normal societal thing. Everybody does it. So many people do it. Be you love, love the person that you are, because there's nobody else out there like you, nobody. And that's, and stand out in whatever that means to you. Not what someone else tells you to do, not what someone else thinks you should do, but truly inside what you want to do. And that's my, that's my closing thought. Well, thank you. And, you know, like I said, the privilege and the honor and all that completely on my end. And and thank you for, for spending time with me. Thank you for giving out this message and all that. And you know what? Once again, what's the name of the book? Follows and Likes. Is that all that I'm worth? And I know it's all and you're worth way more than that. And everybody is way more worth than that. And also, you know, we all matter. And you know what? We're all worthy. Thank you. I love you, Christy. And thank you, Omar. Best of luck. Thanks, son. Bye. Bye. I never told no one that my whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars, I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help I had no self-confidence Didn't believe in myself I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition To start a business But before I even started I feel like it's finished You got a vision 
And let me say, I don't care if they your blood got the same DNA. They can't feel how you feel. They can't see what you see. Wanna change your life? You gotta change the way you think. The thoughts in your mind is the boss of your life. Nothing but good vibes every day. I'm thinking like, what if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.